If you're serious about betting, this is the podcast for you. Brought to you by Pinnacle.com, the Serious About Betting podcast features me, your host, Ben Cronin, and some of the biggest names and brightest minds in the world of betting. Today's guest on the Serious About Betting podcast is someone who spends his time on the other side of the industry compared to most of our guests. Instead of trying to beat the market through betting, he's helping make those markets available to bettors. In addition to the work he does with his company Deck Prism Sports, he's also co-authored the best-selling book, The Logic of Sports Betting. A very warm welcome to Matt David Al. Thanks for having me, Ben. No, thank you for coming on. Uh, I don't want to put you under pressure, but I think given your, your credentials, I'm, I'm expecting a good episode today and, and I'm sure our listeners are as well. I don't see why not. Um, so it's, I mean, we actually chatted at, at ICE in London a few months back, obviously a uh, a hell of a lot has happened in that time, but but how have things been with you? Is is everything good? I mean, I, I I can't say enough good things about you know since this has all been you know since this has all gone down. I can't say enough good things about all the people around me, my company, and, you know, etc. I, I know a lot of people really struggle through these times, and you know, a lot of people really find out who's your friends, who's not. You know, I'm I'm sure there's plenty of couples that didn't know they were getting divorced that are you know, sign divorce papers these days. And luckily, I felt very lucky to have gotten through that whole situation and, you know, have stronger relationships and a better company. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Um, so for, for today's episode, it's it's primarily going to be about kind of where you're at now, um, a bit about the book that I've already mentioned, obviously a, a great book, and, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, and then maybe a little bit as well about what's happened since that was published and, and what the future might have in store. But before we get into all of that, let's let's go back a little and learn a bit about you and and where how you've kind of got to to where you are now. So, what was the what's the background? What's the story? Why did you why did you want to get into the betting industry? So, I was like the weird kid that wanted to figure out how to make money. Like all I cared about was making money. So I'd sit there in class. I figured if I could win two out of every three football games, you know, pick the winner. Well, man, I started doing the calculations. I'm like, boy, that'll get me a lot of money. So that seemed like a pretty good idea at the time. <laughs> Obviously, it was a long, a long road from there, but, 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 but really, you know, I, I saw my dad bet. I love football. I love sports. You know, I played sports. I love the analytical side of it. I said, well, why can't I? Why can't I beat that? Then really started trying to beat it. What I was 12, 13 years old. So I've been trying for a while. And you, I mean, you mentioned there you're a sports guy, the the analytics and like the mathematical side of things. It seems like it, it all kind of goes together so well. So was there was there any other profession that that you considered or you pursued, or has it always been about like sports betting and and how you fit into the industry? When I was in college, I was you know I I tried a couple of different majors and uh, you know a couple of different angles. I was one one to be a lawyer once business i was just trying to look for you know like what i was supposed to do i think but you know i was i was in arizona what i really liked to do was you know go to the casino and play poker all night that was a lot more fun and interesting and then that was right about when poker books started coming out so like i i went to the casino the first night i bought it for my hundred dollars i lost i mean i beat my friends back home but you know trying to beat the rake in like a one three seven card stud game was a lot different than you know playing follow the queen with your friends for quarters and I'm like, well, man, I if I want to go play and not lose my money, I, I better, I better really learn. So I read, I went to the, I 
I would go to the bookstore. You know, I was in college. I was broke. So I would go to the bookstore, and I would, they would have the books in the bookstore. This is back when they were like Barnes and Nobles and and uh, Borders and such. And I just sit there and read all the books and put them back on the shelf. And I just kind of use it as my library. Uh, <laughs> did that for a bit, uh, and then uh, we ended up in Tunica a few years later, playing you know just playing poker there. Uh, that was back when the games were like you know really 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 good this was what oh one oh two i guess oh two uh <laughs> that was a that was a good time uh so we went from there and then we moved to vegas we being me and uh and, and my, my 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 running mate at the time my poker partner and with generally the idea of trying to get into sports but when we moved to vegas we were trying to get into sports we went to vegas we we rented a room with the budget suites i think a lot of stories are actually similar to this uh, it was the one there used to be a bunch of suites behind the Stardust on Industrial, and we were there whenever the Ohio Sniper was there. You know, we didn't know him, but you know, they, they caught him there. There was a guy that was shooting, uh, shooting cars from overpasses in Ohio, and he also made made his way to the same, you know, budget suites. Uh, while we were there, we realized we could play poker online. We went out and bought a a very large TV, like one of those TVs, like like the crt tube tvs like very large at walmart uh remember me <laughs> carrying it in from the carrying it in from the parking lot i actually threw my back out and spent like the first week playing poker online like laying in bed like i pushed the bed right to the computer to uh to, 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 to play the sit and goes <laughs> so we did that for a bit and this is i mean again right in the right in the poker boom so you know I think my sit and go strategy was pretty good. I was definitely one of the first people to start, you know, being super, super aggressive. Uh, but it wasn't like I was—I would not call myself an expert by any means in the in the in, in the poker at the time. We uh, I got very, very lucky in that about I don't know, I guess it was about 18 months after that we got started, and I was playing sit and goes every day, and I go on the two plus two. You know, every once in a while, I was on the two plus two chat, but. I was, they had their own click, and I don't think they, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't in there. I wasn't in with the cool kids of 2 plus 2 at the time. So, the cool kids of 2 plus 2 all had a Vegas get-together. This, you know, think a whole bunch of, like, single guys in their early 20s, you know, Spearman, Rhino, all that. <laughs> so, it just so happened. So, everybody who was, like, winners in my game, right, which was, there was, a group like every table, every sit and go, you'd start to be two or three, like other more pros in the game. Well, during this weekend, all of those pros went to Vegas except me. Cause you know, I wasn't invited. So I stayed in the games. Well, party pokers launched this big, like uh, big sponsor, big, like marketing push. They'd say there was the first time they had $500 sit and goes. They had, they started having like, they switched it where the old ones were turned. This is a, I mean, a long time ago, but they basically added, a bunch of $500 torn, you know, sit and goes, and then like advertise the heck out of it to their whole site. So right in the middle of the boom, all the party poker fish said, Oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go play a $500 sit and go. Meanwhile, all the sit and go pros with the spearmint rhino, except for me, I think I played like 40 hours straight over a weekend. It was like, I was playing 10 at a time. And literally what would happen is I would not be paying any attention to like eight of the tournaments. And then, Every time I just look up and I'd be heads up, you know, at like a nine to one chip dog. Like I would just fold my way to heads up. And this was a one, two, three payout, right? So I, I, it was unbelievable. And I won so much money that one weekend. And then I was like, heck with poker, I'm just doing sports. 
Well, I mean, it's they're, they're two things that are often kind of talked about in in conjunction with one another, especially any any game you play in casino. I think poker obviously stands out as the one skill that that a lot of people will draw the comparisons to to sports betting. So, what's your what's your read on that? What's the take between like the the crossover between playing poker and and betting on sports? In a lot of ways, it's all the same. It's it's what is the bet? What is your edge? Think fast. And uh, you know, certainly when it comes to betting sports, one of the most maybe overlooked you know attributes is actually being able to think fast. It's not being able to think deep; it's being able to think fast. And I mean, you get the same with the poker. Now, maybe now, and I haven't played real like I haven't studied poker in a long time. Uh, I haven't studied poker in a long time, but uh, when I did, there was a lot less resources than there are now. It's possible with the resources out there now that you can really get yourself taught in more situations uh, than you could back when I was you know, teaching. You really had to learn to think 15, 20 years ago, whereas with some of the simulations you can run now, you might be able to do a little more memory, especially when it comes to, to no limit. But the time, it was definitely the fact, it was getting, getting the answer 80% or 90% right very fast is, was definitely worth more than getting it 99% right a little bit slower. And it's, I mean, it's that quality that 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 I think I really took advantage of then. It's that quality that, that my company today looks for first and foremost when it comes to any trader. You know, we don't we don't care about much other than whether can you think fast, can you do arithmetic fast, can you guess at probability answers and get them mostly right fast rather than working them all the way out. Well, I guess is with sports betting, it's it's something that the you're you're doing often in the the comfort of your own home, or people might have their own kind of office setups and things like that. Whereas poker, you're you're sat at a table with however many other players. There's there's no ability to to input anything into a spreadsheet while you're sat there, and that 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 decision making process is is all in your head. Do you think there's more maybe a high level of respect for people that that do it on the fly, that do it right there and then without the benefit of of running their models and and having their spreadsheets open and things like that. I mean, I guess so, but the world's always changing, right? I mean, I always, <laughs> I'm not sure how successful I would have been, you know, maybe 60 years ago or, or, you know, like if I was start if I was starting today or, you know, 60 years from now, the, I, I think that like the, the, the human skills that happen to line up with success, I mean, it really depends on the, the technology available and, you know, what lines up at the time, if I'm, if I'm making sense, like from a historical perspective, you know, for instance, the, uh, Orville Wright, you know, the guy that invented airplanes, would 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 he have been successful a hundred years later? I don't know. I mean, certainly not in inventing an airplane for you know, for instance. And I mean, uh, some of the attributes you listed there, like I mean, you're you're very kind of big on that ability to to think fast and make those quick decisions. On the the flip side of that, things like the the patience and the need to be kind of methodical, have a bit of level headedness. Is that do you think they're as as important as as people maybe make out, or is it just a balance between the patience of of learning and developing versus the the quick reactions and the the quick decision making and stuff like that? I mean, my my take on that is when people talk about patience and stuff with in regards to gambling. What they're really talking about is being able to deal with losing, and I'd, I mean, <laughs> I'd love to talk about that. I mean, one of my, one of mine and Ed's pet theories is that, is that the 
the people that are that, that stay, especially in the gambling industry, that there's a big core, bigger correlation to how good of a gambler there are. It's a correlation to how well they're able to deal with variance and losing, especially like long losing streaks. Like, I'll bet there's plenty of poker players that started playing the poker boom that were absolutely fantastic. That went on a bad run, couldn't deal with it, you know, weren't sure it was a bad run, etc., and ended up doing something else, you know, because of it, you know, other than gambling. You know, I, I and I think that it's that the human thinking of where 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 risk always equals like I don't want to say not good, but the the ability to like deal with the variance and actually understand that you can lose a lot and you're still winning. I think that's a fairly rare thing. I, I think that's one reason why even today we see the industry behave as it does with the you know not wanting to really take on a lot of people trying to gamble and be much more willing to, you know, just, hey, let's just chop off all that business and, you know, go after the easy money. I think it's the same type of thinking that, you know, makes people that want to win, whether it's on any side of any gambling encounter, poker, sports, etc. When they start losing, especially losing big for a long time, which everybody's going to do for a period of time, I mean, unless you're you know, one of these large companies, you know, with the, you know, lots of 10 and $20 parlay players, but certainly every poker player, every sports better. I've never met one person who's been successful in the long run that hasn't had a long sustained losing streak. And what you do out of that long sustained losing streak, I mean, do you quit? I mean, why not? It seems reasonable, right? I think is a, a big factor toward, you know, where you get to after that. Do, do you think it's, I mean, there's, there's kind of a, a slight difference to me between dealing with the the concept of losing and the the game you're in that you have to put up with those losses and whatever the financial implications are of that but then also the when you lose that that knock your confidence can take and almost elements of of self-doubt creep in and then when it, you you're in the game of risk and it's like do you do you become more risk averse because you've you've lost however many times or have you lost so much do you do you think there's there's kind of just the the balance there. Do you think any either of those kind of overrides the other? Is it more is confidence necessary and, and maintaining that confidence no matter what happens and no matter how much you lose? Or can that be obviously quite a a dangerous game for for poker players for betters whoever it might be? Yeah, well, I mean that's the tricky part. I mean you're trying to win something, you go on a losing streak, and I mean you know you. I mean I'm. What I would say before was mostly relating to the self-doubt confidence standpoint, but there's also the, you know, you might actually be losing. The last thing you want to do is, you know, obviously end up, you know, losing money, you know, money that you need, for instance, money that, uh, you know, is, uh, you know, you need to be responsible. So, you know, loved ones or, you know, you know, whatever else. So, I mean, I, I'm much more talking about the, 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 the self-doubt part and yeah, the more, the more the money hurts, I'm sure the more the, the you know, the self doubt comes in, you know, as well. But I know many, many, many poker players who, you know, back in the poker room who were good poker players that quit playing poker due to, you know, struggling to, to you know, handle variance in one way or the other. Well, I've 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 heard firsthand from you some of the the interesting stories that that you've got to tell, and that's one of the the great things that I I love having certain guests on this podcast. But the other the other element to it is that we often speak to people that have been 
successful in in one domain or another and we get to to dig into that kind of skill set or that armory that you need to to be successful and you're 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 well respected in the industry i mean you're you're obviously a very smart individual who knows his stuff and i'd just like to know from your point of view is there any kind of markers in your career that you can put down or anything that stands out for you as like i'm glad i did that i did that or this has been sort of the the key driver for me to to get where i am or to not not have taken a step backwards when that could have been easy is there is there something that that you think like a character trait for you specifically has really helped you i don't know if it was necessarily a character trait maybe one thing i'm very willing to quit <laughs> like we start something it's like oh well i'm happy to quit I'm, <laughs> the whole idea of you know Quitters never win and winners never quit. I don't know. That's never been me. I'm, I'm one to try something, try a method, try a model, you know, try a partnership and be willing to, 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 to cut it fast if it's not going to work. I mean, the, you only get so many goes, so many days, so many years. And my take is if it ain't working, to start something else. <laughs> so that may be one of them. I don't think the, the Rocky <laughs> movies would have worked out if that was his, uh, no, his mentality. No, and maybe this is the opposite of the variance, you know. I hang in there with variance, but, you know, if something doesn't seem like it's working out, I'm the, 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 first, the first out the door. I mean, I'm not in a, you know, lack of integrity manner, obviously, you know, commitments, et cetera. But, like, you know, it's, it's usually best for, you know, all parties as well. And, you know, I mean, when I think about all of the sports and what we're going to call modeling ideas. I kind of hate that word that I've had over the years that have just flat out not worked. <laughs> and like, I'm not a big fan of back testing. I mean, I think everything means back testing, right? It's kind of the whole point. Even if you're testing out a sample, you just keep trying until somebody wins back testing, but then you have so many other factors. I mean, I'm just such a fan of you build it. You, you know, shock it into the market so to speak <laughs> and you see what the market does with it you see how you do you see where your numbers go you just get involved and and then obviously if that's going to be your strategy well then if it ain't working out you you better you better quit early or what long time ago we did some we did some baseball total work right and without getting into without getting into too much detail just because it's boring we thought we had a large edge on baseball totals this was like early in the day uh, and we won for a bit, you know, definitely won for a bit. I mean, didn't lose. Everything won. It was nuts. Then we started realizing we, maybe we made a mistake here for other reasons. We were like, well, you know what? And we just uh, <laughs> just quit, quit, quit playing them right in the, the midst of the biggest heater I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean quitting doesn't always have to be losing you know it's you try something you see if it works and you know go from there yeah and I, I guess it's you need to know it's you need to understand is why are you quitting as well because obviously it's it's however long you stick at something it could be like you said it could be variance and those those positive results could just be around the corner it's not just this didn't work let me quit it's why didn't this work and that's the reason that i'm going to quit i guess that's that's kind of your approach as well certainly with the you know the modeling and the the uh the work that we do for sure another thing that i didn't do a long time ago for what it's worth from a especially i know a lot of your 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 listeners are you know you know betters uh but and this this was the this was the case you know 15 you know years ago not that i you know and it's really the case now, like this, especially for 
people that are in the U.S. and states that are opening up. There's a lot of free money on the on you know on, on the on the table right now. And one of the things I didn't do many years ago was really try to take advantage of that, like like getting more bonuses, you know, working to open up more accounts, that sort of thing. Uh, really number shopping. Why? respected it and wasn't going to like turn it down i always focus more on on bigger picture stuff you know i hate the word handicapping i hate a lot of these words i guess uh <laughs> on you know handicapping and actually working on better predictive analysis rather than simply you know better ways to bet and you know we asked you know what were what's a character trait that actually got you where you're at now that's a big one i mean i I know lots of people that are really, 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 you know, good better staying on that side. I'm sure made more money, uh, but just didn't quite take the call it career path that I have. Yeah, and you mentioned it there that a lot of the listeners to this they they will be betters that are they're trying to make it. They're they're trying to find an edge, and you're obviously on on one side of the industry. Those guys are are on the other. But I'd be interested to know from your perspective. Do you think this the the kind of idea of like a, a professional better and a guy who goes out there and, and makes his living from betting on sports. Do you think that's now romanticized? Do you think is it is it more romanticized than it ever was? Or do is there enough kind of information about there about how much of a grind it can be and, and how difficult it can be? How do you how do you feel about that? Well first off on that I, I, I don't consider like Anybody that's winning money or making money in the sports industry or any industry, I really think they're on the same side, you know, and the, it's the same with poker. I mean, you think about a, a, a poker player winning, the house is running the game. It's in everybody's interest to make sure that the, where the, you know, where the money is coming from, which is your, you know, your recreational customer call it or your other customers, that they're getting the best experience possible. I think this is true. In sports, it's certainly true in poker. I mean, you don't want to run off the fish, right? The house wants the fish. The pros want the fish. I actually think that there's not this contradictory approach between the, you know, the the, the better and the bookmaker, and it's you know, should be much more of a much more of a, a, a partnership, where where and when it comes to the industry, everything. I am currently everything Deck Prism is trying to do for the in the industry now is going to end up being very good for you know pro betters and winning betters. You know we're 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 bringing a, a fairness and an even playing field to the markets that 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 are that's not currently out there. Uh, everything that we do is I mean it's, it's no it's no delays. It's more product up. It's in many instances lower holds. It's easier to get them. I mean, if you're in the U.S., you know what I'm talking about. You get one of these apps and, oh my gosh, it is hard to get, it's hard to get a bet down. There's a lot of, a lot of these, a lot of places, a lot of the front end of the app, the, the people trading it, of the operator themselves, they, they make it difficult to get a bet, especially a bet of size. And everything we're doing at Deck Prism is trying to take that in the other direction. So I don't necessarily think that, you know, the industry, the sort of the bookmaker side, or whatever, the player side, are, are, are really need to be at odds in any way. Well, I think to 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 quote Marco Bloom, the the trading director at Pinnacle here, he's quite openly referred to to customers as as consultants because before the 
they they place their bet obviously pinnacle uses that information to to help make the market more efficient and i guess for for me it's are we getting to a place where is that as as viable as it has always been do we do we get to a point where um guys that that have an edge over the market and and can make their money are, are slowly getting kind of eked out and we we might see a point where Yes, everyone's on the, the same page, but we're seeing the, the sharper guys out there maybe make more money, maybe make less money, but also enjoy less stress if they were to actually move to kind of like the operator side and legitimately become like a consultant, for want of a better word. Do you think that that could be where the industry is heading? I think the operator side has its own set of stresses. I mean, <laughs> one nice thing about betting for yourself <laughs> is you get up when you want, you don't answer to anybody. <laughs> Once you get in the, once you start the business side, of it, that, that that part just goes out the window. <laughs> I don't know about the stress part, but at the same time, I do get your point. I think for one thing, I think it is getting very, very, very hard for an individual. And I mean, as the market takes off, and particularly if the if the market takes off in the U.S. the way you know us the deck person wanted to take off, which is you know an actual, an actual robust market with people trying to win you know money getting traded you know i can't be an editor not fans of uh of the you know sports betting as like financial trading analogies but i do think that if it's more possible for you know for 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 people to bet in the u.s that's a a good thing overall and at the same time if you're one guy trying to figure out how to win i mean it is hard i mean you're you're even now you're up against people that have been working for years on sophisticated models that you know have been tried and backwards tried and then if you're trying to if you're trying to fight that with you know uh i'll play one of the one of the best things coming out of this uh the, the this the quarantine from the uh like uh sports perspective is captain jack is putting together some amazing videos I mean, he's, I don't know if you've seen them, Ben, but he's put together some pretty good videos. And one of these got a making, the, making a modeler series, a take, of, take on making of a murderer. It's called making of a modeler, I think. It's excellent, excellent, excellent. But these are, nobody is going to take what's in those videos and then go beat NFL sides, which is not to say NFL sides can't be beat, but it's a much more competitive market than you're going to get to from things you can write in, you know, basic in a, you know, in Excel, which I don't want to knock that either. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my core as well. But, uh, but I, I do think it'd be very difficult as an individual to, 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 to compete. Does that put you on the industry side? Yeah. I don't know. You know, there for now in the U S there's a lot of money just sitting there. I mean, if you're in Colorado right now, there, there's 17 apps. There's going to be, there's going to be ARBs. There's going to be bonuses. There's going to be bad lines. There's going to be places putting up stuff just to get people to sign up, like, you know, putting up like big scalps, whether it's on the Broncos or you anything else. And if you just sit there and play these promotions all the time, I bet you make a decent living for a couple of years, you know, especially if you know what you're doing. Yeah. And I think those, the banning and, and whatnot then probably follows after that, but that's a, that's a different subject altogether. All um, a quick word, yeah, on Captain Jack. I mean, the great stuff where he's done his his video walkthroughs, and also the the happy hour uh, Zoom 
Periscope chats that you do are, are also very enjoyable. I think he's had Rufus and, and Spanky on there. I think he's had yourself and Ed as well. So anyone that hasn't seen them, definitely go give them a watch. They're available on YouTube. Um, one of the one of the words you mentioned there that, that really jumped out to me, um, Matt, is is experience and what the kind of what the betting experience is. So where we're at now, what where is the experience compared to to where it maybe was kind of ten years ago? Do you think it's it's an enjoyable one for betters? Do you think there's still a lot of room to grow, or or where do you see kind of things developing? In the U.S., ten years ago, betting meant being in Las Vegas, going to a counter, you know, with the hundred dollar bills and slapping them down. Now, betting is I, I I think some versions in eighteen states, and there's like what I call reasonable betting in like four or five states and coming to more like non-Oregon monopoly models. Uh, and so far, most of it, especially outside of Nevada, has been very, you know, I don't think it's the best experience. It's, it's if you're trying, if you're trying to, and I'm only talking for trying to win. If you're a recreational player that wants to play a $20 parlay, I think that it's a fantastic experience. But I think there's a lot of people that, want to want to win want to try to win i i think the core at least the core of american betting is people trying to win and if you again the, the guy keep going back to like the, the 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 big poker years of the you know say oh three oh four oh five and i feel like what really brought people to the table and i mean definitely my memory of the people i met at the table were people that were very successful in life who thought that that success would just automatically translate over to poker. They saw the poker on TV. Obviously, you know, they saw Moneymaker, the likes, winning these tournaments. And they're like, wait a second. If he can do that, I can do that. And then they went and played. And as, as, as long as they were able to, like, stay in the game, they kept playing. Why is it not there today? They haven't, the, the, you know, they haven't been able to stay in the game. I see the sports, I mean, a lot, a lot the same way, you know. And the other thing that the current U.S. regulated operators, not all of them, and I don't want to, you know, I certainly don't not saying any, you know, any one operator, any operators, anything wrong. But on the whole, everybody, and this is, I mean, it starts with the state governments a lot of times. They're asking for a very large hold, and they're setting their their states up, they're setting their regulations up in such a way that that more or less require the operator to go after a large hold. And by hold, I mean uh, percentage of the volume bet that ends up in their in their win column. So you know, ten million bet, one million win, ten percent hold. And you know, with the, the parlay map they all do, that's like where they where they aim at, right? Now the problem is. If you're a customer and you're really losing 10% of your, your the money that you're depositing, you know, per bet, well, the money's not going to last that long for one. You're going to quickly realize you really have no chance to win, number two. And I think that the, that the percentage and the amount of, you know, time you spend in forward years, how much of that recreational income ends up going into the sports industry, I think ends up decreasing. So, I think they're a little, all a little bit nearsighted when, you know, when I say, oh, I'm talking, really talking about the, you know, the governments that are, you know, in the states that are really asking for the large holds, because yeah, it might work well the first year or two, but then they're going to end up, they're going to end up with no market down the road. They're going to end up with poker. Whereas 
states of Colorado being the one with concerned currently the way the best uh, regulations and where DECFRIS is, is planning to operate, you know, to, to start out. I think New Jersey's are pretty good too. But in Colorado, they're really not, they're really encouraging competition there by keeping the tax low, by, you know, n there's no, there's no tax on the volume. The, the most important thing that they've done is, and this is partially because they already had so many casino stakeholders in the state, but they've allowed, there's real competition there. They've allowed more than five, six, 10, some states, one or two operators to operate in the state. So that's going to allow for different models. We're going to see DraftKings there. We're going to see FanDuel there. We're also going to see Circa trying a completely different approach. We're going to see it. They, they've already, the, the, the Sky Youth launching app and, you know, they're trying a different approach. I'm expecting, you know, the, the, the Westgate, there's another Vegas uh, casino that, that has uh, the Colorado uh, market access. I'm expecting them to come with yet a slightly different market approach. And it's out of these out of this competition that really did, brings out the best. The other point that I want to make going back to the, the large holds that the states are asking for, the leagues themselves, so a lot of the leagues are trying to tack on taxes, whether they're in the guise of official data or that's where they've gotten to now because no one's actually agreed to pay the league a straight tax. But they're, to, to, to make it to make a business work with these extra fees, you've got to charge a large hold. You, you've got to win a lot of the high percentage from your customer. So what's that do? Well, if I'm a if I'm an NBA fan and I learn about live NBA in, you know, November or December where it starts this year, and I say, oh, this is fun, I start playing, well, I probably only have so much money to play with, right? There's only so much of my income is going to end up going to the, the site. And the faster the site takes that money from me, the less bets will be, the less games I'm going to watch. And when it comes to where the NBA makes their money, it's in watching the games. So if I were to league, I'd be like, heck. I want the opposite. I want betting to have no hold. I want it to be, you know, almost a, a loss leader for the leagues themselves. Like if the leagues themselves were offering betting with no hold, they could really offer, you know, a kick butt product. They would get automatic ties with the teams. I mean, look what FanDuel just paid the Broncos. You know, that's probably a great deal for FanDuel. And then on top of that, they, they just get more engagement across the board and, you know, Maybe it's something, you know, baseball should try or, you know, one of these sports that's behind the eight ball right now. Hockey, perhaps. You know, I know TV hockey is not really a thing. And, you know, hockey's fun. You make a good app. You give people a chance to win. You know, I would like to see it all go in that direction. Yeah, certainly plenty of promise in it. I mean, who's to say... Now, given what's changed over the last couple of years, like who's to say where where things could end up in six, twelve months, however however far down the line. But to to bring things kind of back to the betters, and they've 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 got ample opportunity to bet now, and um, obviously things might might begin to change and stuff like that. But a lot of the a lot of the materials out there that's that's aimed at betters is is or the good material that's that's very kind of education led, and it, it comes from people that obviously know what they're doing. It it tends to gear towards kind of this is what you should be doing. Do this, but but do more of it. Do this, but refine this process. Use more data. Use cleaner, better data, whatever it might be. I feel like sometimes people neglect the other side of that, which is like this is the stuff a lot of people are doing that they perhaps shouldn't be doing, or these are the kind of mistakes that people are making that that really need to be avoided. Is there is there anything out there for you that that jumps out as like a 
a classic or a typical mistake that betters make that that really could easily be avoided and, and once that's removed there's a lot more potential to to enjoy success or to make those those funds last longer so watch more games with money on or whatever it might be i mean to to, to, to me the to be the most obvious and this is you know one of the <laughs> maybe what was at least meant to be the the the, the, the pillar of the book we wrote which is <laughs> it's really 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 hard to beat minus 110 on both sides to you know to be to to to, to beat you know point point nine one on 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 a on a two sided uh, prop really 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 hard that is a, there's a lot of uncertainty in sports it has a lot of hold meanwhile if you if you develop ways whether it's you know smaller markets that you know move a lot or more outs I mean you have more outs and more more different lines. And if you if you reduce the hole that you're actually looking at, then it becomes possible to win. So I think that if I had one, if one if like if anyone is starting out, I'd tell them don't even don't try to learn one player, don't try to handicap anything. Open an account everywhere, put them all side by side, look for areas that are, you know, where 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 you can bet either side at a very small margin, and then Dig into that as fast as you can. Pick a side and make a bet. Versus, versus saying, okay, I want to be good at you know first half NBA. Let me study some first half NBA. I would do it the other way around. I would say, okay, let's open up all of my betting options. You know, so like if you're in Colorado, and I mean, I I know a lot of your audience in the UK and elsewhere. I keep talking about college, just what I know. If you're in Colorado and you've got you know your 17 options open, you you know if you're if you have any coding experience, you can possibly, you know, try to make a uh, make a screen out of them. You know, some of them are on screens you can pay for. Some of them aren't. You know, some of them are only APK, uh, you know, on the mobile apps. Uh, you can try to make a screen out of them for one. Or just develop a system where you go through, you find the times where the odds are literally in your favor, and then aim after those. So rather than start out saying, I want to bet first half NBA, you start just opening everything. Then you see that, hey, here's a first half NBA total. I can bet, you know, one side at minus 101 and the other side at even money, right? Well, here's a one, here's an opportunity to win. You're, this hold is nothing. If you do a little work and figure out which side of those is the best bet, and that work could take 15 seconds, it could take a minute, it could take 20 minutes, I mean, depending on your knowledge and what the market is. And this is a lot of what we go into in the book. Then pick your side, then make your bet. If you follow that, you're going to win. Well, I think that's a great cue to to get onto the book, and we can let's talk about it in a little bit more detail. The title logic of sports betting it's it's co-authored with with Ed Miller. I, I I personally can't can't speak highly enough of this book. I read it when it first came out. I reviewed it for Pinnacle. I I urged people to buy it back then. I still urge people to buy it now. I think you've. You've, in the book, it's it's all still so relevant. It's it's been published for for over a year now, I think. Um, we we had Ed on the the podcast when it was first released, and it was we we delved into real detail, like you were just talking about the the synthetic hold and stuff like that. And we we'll still talk about some of those details, but I'm also really interested to to hear about kind of the the mindset or the actual like approach to writing it. So for you, what was the what was the motivation for for writing a book like that? What did you What did you want to get out of it? So uh, there were multiple things when they went into you know Ed, Ed, Ed and I decided to write that book. Really, I mean, multiple. Keep in mind, Ed is a writer, you know, 
I mean, I don't want to say by trade. He's really an engineer by trade, but he's a uh, he's a he wrote nine poker books, and his his he has a very unique writing style that works really really well for taking a complicated subject and explaining it. I mean, Ed's genius takes many forms, but by far by far his best skill is he can think about a subject and actually explain it. To his audience, whoever that audience is, I mean, he can explain it in one way to me. He, he explains it in, an, in another way to, 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 to one of our developers. It's He has the ability to emphasize with the words that his audience is going to relate to and, you know, just really effectively communicate. And, I mean, I really think a lot of the greatness in that book comes from the writing style and actually we got a we a, a review yesterday that i mean this is this is always my review of the book and it's it, this guy the review says uh the book reads extremely clearly with some humor thrown in i have a phd in stem field and i'm blown away with how the author manages to write an entertaining and technically sound book on this topic and to to, to me that's why this book is successful is you know, Ed's writing, and to be clear, it's it's Ed's writing. I mean, I, I play I play I played a role. You know, uh, you know, ideas, outline, etc. But it's Ed's writing, and the the quality of to, to 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 be able to take what can be a kind of boring subject. I mean, what I just explained is a little bit boring, right? And to make it eminently readable, understandable, and entertaining, I think is where the books, the where we really hit a home run with you know with the book. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that's it. The level of it feels so simplistic yet it's still so informative it covers so much ground in in this this massive wide-ranging kind of industry of all these nuances and stuff like that but yeah I think it's still it's it's like under 250 pages isn't it it's like I don't understand how all that information can be can be put into to such a small amount of of words but props to ed as you said it's it's his writing style but obviously you were you're heavily involved is it the is it the first book that you've been involved in have you have you had to play that role of the the instructor or the the teacher before i've always enjoyed writing never done it enough enjoyed reading i always kind of like wanted to write a book like really write a book like you know and you know we've we played around with some other ideas, you know, we, you know, remember we had a company that, you know, we were, we were formed as a company basically before the regulations passed in the U S. So we were really trying to, we were trying to think about like how to get more involved. And I mean, as, as a writer, you know, like I said, you know, it, it can turn out really good writing and, you know, in not a lot of time. So that was a big reason for us. Another reason was, Again, everything we're doing requires a completely like a, a risen tide. I mean, even the poker books. If you're playing in a 100, 200 game in the poker room, that's your game. You need poker books because you need people to, that are going to start at the 4-8 game, and you need them to progress to the 100, 200 game. The people that actually sit down at the 100, 200 game ain't much. The people that progress and keep moving up limits till they the, the old joke is you know you move up in limits and you find one you can't beat and you go broke. There's that's somewhat applicable, and that requires books. That requires learning. You know, I, I talked about what regulations are good, and obviously, I think that the regulations that the, that I'm proposing for better is more competition, lower holds. This is also stuff that's good for deck prism. This is this is what our product does. So, in a lot of ways, 
we really, you know, felt and feel that, that the more we can express our opinion, the more we can, we can, uh, allow people to think and think that, you know, there are different options and, you know, just get, get better at everything sports betting, the, the better the entire industry is, the better the entire industry is, the better we're going to do in it. And that's obviously, you know, that, that obviously played a large factor. And I think one of the, one of the other things that I really enjoyed about the book is the, the kind of the level of appeal across like the, the readership that, that could read that book and, and still get something out of it. I think even the, like the title, the logic of sports betting, it's not, it doesn't give too much away in the sense like, is this kind of betting 101? Is this really simple? Is it is it more advanced? Is it about like the psychology of stuff and things like that? So I think that's, I mean, kudos to to both of you for for appealing to, to such a wide ranging audience. Was that was that always the plan? Was it do you think it's it's easier to to go right for the beginners, but then you've got to teach them something? So is there is there more appeal to go for for the advanced kind of level? What was the, the thinking there? Well, if you don't write for beginners, you're not writing to too many people when it comes to the sports betting industry. And that honestly, like when we first started out, the, the book, the, the first book idea we had was, was like, let's like really make an in-depth, here's how to make a model predictive analysis type book. Like, like, like a type of book that would have a, a very small audience, but would be like clearly top of its field. That was our first idea. Like, give away a lot of stuff that we actually do in the book. I mean, a lot of it's the idea is good. The execution is great type stuff, but you know, so it's not like we're giving away the store. That was the first idea, but then we obviously realized nobody was going to read that book. <laughs> that book was going to go to an audience of, you know, 200. I mean, probably everyone listens to, you know, I mean, I, I know your audience is way bigger than that. So whatever listens to your podcast, whatever, that's who's going to buy that book. Right. But you know, we get calls today from from legislators. We get emails from from people that are new in in non sports gambling in things in the large companies. They say, "Hey, your your book's great. We love your book." And so much of it, we're, we're you know we're writing we're writing to those people. We actually are you know Ed, who's just I mean. He's written nine books with every book he gets better, you know, better. And he has his, he says, look, I, I want to write for, we're going to write to one person. So let's figure out who we're writing the book to. And that, that person, we, we wrote the book to my dad. We're like, okay, we're going to try to, we're going to try to write a book to my dad who has experience with sports gambling, but no math experience. And we're going to try to explain to him how the concepts work. And that was kind of a, our bro, that's what we were that's what we were aiming at and hopefully we got enough stuff in there that you know somebody who's a been a professional better for you know 20 years is going to take something away from it i'm you know i i, I certainly tried from from that aspect but you know the, the book was the book was written to the audience it was written for because that's a much larger audience and that's the audience that that we as an industry you know pinnacle you know for sure you know deck prism anybody winning betters that's the those are the people we need to speak to so that we create a industry in the united states that is better and customer friendly and not you know not basically you know what it's become in europe which is obviously you know you know very very hard to, to, to make a bet for the title is interesting too because the one thing that ed's learned over the years is the title is like super important so like his Ed's idea of like an A plus title is the four hour work week. It's a Tim Ferriss book. 
Like the title just makes you want to buy the book. And Ed noticed as as he got better at titling his books, his sales improved. So we actually spent a lot of time on the title. And uh, this was a little bit of a settlement. We were going for something. Ed thinks this is a B title. so Or he calls it a B plus title, but I think he's being nice. But we actually spent some time on the title and, you know, ended up wanting to go with, like like you said, I mean, what you said was what I thought the title did. So I appreciate the comment. Is there is there anything from the book that you omitted because of what the target audience was or that potentially it was just a can of worms that would need another 250 pages to explain in light of how great Ed is at explaining complex subject matter in, in short short amount of time is there is there anything that you just thought right let's just leave that we can shelve that maybe for a for another book or for another day there, there was for sure the, I mean, actually a long list of things that I I don't have a I don't have a good example in front of me but I will say that there was certainly a long list of things that we thought were going to be interesting and important until we wrote about them and then the other thing that we the other thing that was really important to us I mean especially the, the important to me as uh, with the book was it the book fit. The book was like, okay, here's our base idea, and we're focused to that. And you know, one here's one thing we never touched on. We never touched on money management. And money management, as I know, it's it's a big deal out there. And Ed was so sure we were going to get, you know, especially if we wrote what we really thought about money management, we were certainly going to get criticized. And it just doesn't. There's two sides. Money management and figuring out how to win are just two completely different things to me. And if you're writing a book about how to win a sports betting, to me, I think that the money management is just not really part of that. I mean, money management may be how to stay in the game, how to win the most money with the same edge. But the book is really about how does it work? How does the edge work? How, how do you get the edge on your side? Then to me, the money management doesn't really play a role. And that was that was something that we definitely left out that uh, – did uh well you know was was on the table at one part one point yeah I, th- I think the you kind of mentioned and, and i said about the the synthetic hold stuff and i think it's there's really interesting parts in it as well where you you and i draw these comparisons to the kind of different types of bookmakers that are out there is there is there anything that that really stands out for you as like that's my favorite section that's my favorite page or whatever it might be is there something that you really think obviously you're proud of the whole book but is there one bit in there that you think you know what that's we we really smashed it with that bit or or that kind of concept Honestly there's not really one that like completely said like what I thought was, what I actually thought was when I read the the book that was completed you know I you know I was like when I when I read it after we put it together I just read it all the way through one time my biggest takeaway that I was, I mean, surprised at, so I read it all the way through, was really how everything fit. How there was not anything that was like particularly boring. There was no like, oh, just wait till you get to this part. And like, maybe for me, the 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 the, the parts that really get out of the handicapping, out of the particular talks when they talk, you know, we talk about different uh, industry types and get more toward the, you know actually the idea of the synthetic hold maybe maybe that part because that's the part that i think you really need to win i mean you can know everything about everything else open up one account trying to play in the minus 110 and you're going to really struggle whereas you can know you could not read the book open up an account everywhere and win starting tomorrow so to, to, to me that's the you know and again that's meant to be the core of the book but i really you know 
that section, I think it's like, you know, where it really starts to get into that and why that works to me is the, the, the core. I know I just, it's the same concept again, but, but that's, so that's, that's how I feel. Well, and it's, it's, it's clear from, from the book and from you guys individually, you just have to listen to, I know you've been on various podcasts and things like that, you, you really do know what you're talking about and my assumption is that's what's, what's led to, to the, the birth of, of Deck Prism and, and what you guys are doing now. So can you just give us, if anyone doesn't know, maybe like a 30 second, one minute kind of synopsis of, of what Deck Prism does and, and how it came to life? So Deck Prism is a, a managed trading firm, and uh, to where where a miniature can be, where I don't want to call it miniature, but where 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 we're aiming to be the can be of the of of the U.S. market, where we have we have a comprehensive backend platform, we have comprehensive you know models for uh, all the American sports, and our aim is to to to, to turn those into a, a much Turn them into an awesome customer experience for American sports in America, in Europe, in Asia, any you know anywhere, particularly in play. But everything works, you know, everything works for you know, pre-match as well. Uh, but particularly in play, having a lineup all the time that anybody in the world can play into without a delay, and and not have to limit customers. That's our that's our focus. And what's the what's kind of like the the day to day like? I think. Sports betters listening to this will will rarely work like a, a fixed schedule. Um, it's obviously determined by the the games and events that they're betting on. But what, is there is there like a a standard? I was going to say nine to five for you, but you you joined. The, no, that's a great you, question. You joined the that's... call to me. I think you said it was kind of six forty five or something crazy in the morning. So what's what's like the what's the working week like for you? Is it is it as hectic as it would be for a sports better? I... Yes, it's. I mean, the the one thing about sports betting, the, when you're a sports better, I, I think I alluded to this earlier. You're not on a schedule. You don't. You know. You don't feel like getting up that one day. I mean, if it's just you, I mean, you just don't get up. If if you wanna if you wanna spend the entire Father's Day grilling with your son, well, the heck, the sports will be there tomorrow. Whereas when you're obviously <laughs> working on a business, that that's not the case. That the responsibility is different. As far as my day to day is actually, oh. I spend most of my day talking to our to to our developers, talking to talking to our project managers, talking to our developers, talking to our traders. Uh, you know, to, to working on our software, working on our software, working on our on our on our models. Uh, maybe maybe my day is actually like half talking to people, managing, communicating the you know the building the software, and half. Uh, building the, the improving the sports models myself somewhere somewhere along that balance is my day i actually you know i don't i i mean there's no sports on now anyway but other than other than when we're doing the, the live sports i'm just i'm not focused on the sports themselves in the least and if you were to to go back to those days playing 40 hours straight heads up poker whatever it is what's the, what's the trade-off well, I, mean, I was 24 at the time sitting in my chair with no relationships no family i mean you want to sit there and i mean i i'd wake up i'd play poker i'd eat i'd go to sleep i did that for a while and even even in sports it's a lot of 
you know, the more time you put in, the, the better you're gonna you're gonna get at it. At the same time, you're gonna you know limit yourself from you know a lot of other life and I mean, you know another another thing that that, that Ed is you know fantastic is you know the way he manages time, which is something else for sports better any anybody when he's when when he's working he's all in when he's with his family he's all in just you know being in the moment and that makes the work better that makes the production better i think that makes everything better and you know maybe maybe that's something that i've learned that i i wish i could have told myself at 25 hey take a step back you don't have to work 14 hours a day you can just it's it's really interesting to kind of hear how you you speak so highly of ed and, and you two are obviously a great team i'm sure he's got he's got very plenty of kind words to to say about you and you guys are i mean you're really front and center for the for, for deck prism and um i guess i'm sure a lot of people will know this but there's there must be a hell of a lot more that goes on behind the scenes and and you kind of spoke about the difference between sports betting and stuff like that just kind of like infrastructure wise like how big is this operation like how how big are you now what are the what's been the growth been like since you you first got going and, and where do you really want to be in the future yeah, it's, it's it's funny you said that because I was thinking that myself. And I mean, I think that, you know, like obviously we've we've been on a handful of you know like you know great podcasts like yourself. We we've got the book. It's got you know our names on it. You know, meanwhile there's there's I think twenty twenty people in the in the company total. Uh, you know, you know many of which with with you know with 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 small you know you know stakes etc. Where we're we're really a complete team. You know, to bring the product. Uh, and I mean, we're going fast. We've been, you know, just continually hiring, uh, been hiring uh, traders. We've been hiring uh, developers. You know, just if, if you're if you're good, we can use you. And the we're obviously not going to talk in in great detail about kind of what goes into the work that you do outside of of what you guys offer. But um, I'm I'm sure I'm I'm going down the li- right lines when it's it's highly driven by kind of the world of data science and things like that and one of the one of the um contrasts that are, are drawn in in the world of betting is this difference between like a quote unquote traditional handicapper that that does things by eye or whatever it might be how much of it for you is a, a balance between that is there kind of this trading team that are that are making calls themselves and having to kind of react like that or is it purely driven by by the models and and what the data says so that's a, that's a great question a really great question I think that, that, that what makes what, what allows our product to stand out is we 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 have the automation to where it can automate everything. I mean everything can be automated, but at the same time, a skilled trader can dial back that automation to wherever they want, and then easily and quickly put opinions, you know, uh, actual things that are going on in the game, weird industry uh, injuries into. The model and then keep the while keeping the automation running a lot of other models aren't built the same way so i i, I think that i in a lot of ways i consider our model like a, our model is like a race car you know it's not a tesla no one you know can just get in and drive it and if you're if you're a regular driver that drives a tesla and you get into a race car well you're probably not going to drive it very well you know you're unless you have the hit the auto do it all yourself but if you start taking over that race car you're going to struggle where I think our models work the same way. Therefore, we're really trying to get, have a situation where we've got the race car and the expert race car driver, and hopefully we're out there, you know, racing 
you know, a bunch of Teslas. And I mean, it's very difficult. And, and again, props to you guys for tackling what is a very difficult nut to, to crack in the, the live betting markets. And with that, I mean, I feel like it must just take that take that modeling process up like tenfold. Everything is is so fluid. There's there's all the work that you can do before the game, but then there's there's constant adjustments to be made and, and changes based on so many things that can happen. So is there is the the reason you went into that kind of live aspect of betting, is it because you had that information beforehand and it was like that made the fit? Or did you think there's a gap in the market for this live offering. Let's really attack that and, and work something that can can really f- solve that problem. I think for, for me, it was just so much fun. The first time I got to make live bets was so much fun. Trying to keep tracking your position in the game as it moved, it was just so much fun. It's just so like a lot of what we've always done is just driven by by what's fun, by what what do, what do I want to do tomorrow? I, I don't really want to build a detailed pregame baseball model using stats. I, I want to build something that, you know, allow, allows for, allows for live betting, allows me to live bet. And then, you know, allows, uh, allows others to live bet in a much better way than, you know, the, the live bettings out there now. And, you know, seeing also almost everybody, almost all players, almost all of them, even, even the, you know, the quote unquote sharps, but like certainly recreational players, all of the action comes in like in the hour before the game, right? I mean, we, anybody that's seen a number of the industry knows this. So, I, I'm my, my theory is that the reason the action comes in the hour before the game is be, and not in the game is because the in-game markets aren't there yet. I think once the in-game markets are there, I, I think you get off work, you want to enjoy the game and enjoy a betting experience. Before you had to make sure to get your betting before the game, so therefore you scheduled your time to make a bet during that hour now or you know with better live betting you don't have to do that you just show up when the game starts or a little after it starts get to the bar midway through the first quarter with your buddies want an action turn they're rooting for the lions bet the lions and to me this exact same betting experience that the customer gets 30 minutes for the game should be throughout the entire game and Every day, everything we're working at Deck Prism is toward that one goal, to turn the experience 30 minutes before the game and the experience you get all the way through, first quarter, second quarter, all the way down to where there's you know one drive left in the game and no one else has in play up at that time, basically, have the exact same experience then as you had 30 minutes before the game. You know That's, that's our goal. The, the development of live betting, it, it feels like it's kind of been a bit delayed and kind of it, it should have come a lot quicker. Is that because of like what the what betters are interested in, or is it because operators are unable to offer that experience while still making money and, and not bleeding out uh, offering live odds? I would guess some of both. Uh, I mean, a lot of the, the the American market is so new, and I think that up until you know the last couple of years, I mean, there's really been no money in building good models for American sports, so. I'm guessing that's one reason we haven't we haven't seen them. As far as how the operators decide to deal, you know, there's a lot that goes to the end of that business, and and I don't for one second really, you know, second guess those those, those you know those decisions. And I know for sure that there's plenty of people within the industry that would like to offer more, but obviously get 
you know, hand itself by, you know, whether it's the, the, the data or the, uh, the, the models themselves that they're, that they're uh, given to try to trade with. And with, with Deck Prism, what, what's it like for you being on the other, so, other side of the table, if you like? What's it like dealing with, with bookmakers as, as clients? Is it, is it a weird position for you to be in? I don't think so. I mean, I've always, I, I, I feel like it's always more or less been the, 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 the same. I mean, any, it's important. It's always important to have good social relationships with anybody you do business with in any way. That's, that, that's my take on it. It's important to have, maybe the biggest reason for that is these are the, these are people that you end up, you know, spending time with or, you know, where your, your time is involved. You, you certainly don't want a situation where, you know, if you're a pro poker player, you go in the poker room and everybody's like, oh, look who's here. Right. You want to say, oh, hi, Matt. And I, you know, I think I think the same thing applies, you know, throughout life. As to why there's a stigma on the sports side, and I mean, I definitely see it. I, I, I honestly don't know. Maybe it's the, maybe it's a lot come from the advantage player side of a lot of sports betters, where a lot of a lot of these guys are like super sharp advantage players. And one of the keys in advantage players, I mean, you're really taking advantage of things that the corporation missed. So if you end up telling the corporation what they missed, well, then that advantage is going to be gone and you're off to find another one. And when that's the reality of putting food on the table, well, then it gets pretty serious. And I wonder if that's where the, the, the sports stigma comes from, because there's certainly no reason for, you know, I mean, I, 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 I play in Las Vegas, I play at Circa a lot, and there's no reason for me, I mean, why would I not want to have anything but the best relationship with Circa? I, I wanted to make a golf bet the other night. I asked, I didn't realize he had a yes, no up. The, the manager texted me to say, hey, no, go bet the 100 over here. You bet it in the wrong place. Had a situation where I bet it, like one of the promotions years ago in Vegas was uh, they were doing things that they were putting games up at minus 105. And I didn't realize it. I bet a minus 110. The guy called me. He's like, hey, we got minus 105 over there. I'm like, oh, duh. You know, so there's some advantage. I mean, why would you not want that relationship with you know with with the you know people you're doing business with? I don't know. Yeah, and I, th- I think to be honest, once you you make that distinction between there might be the odd advantage player that has their their edge eroded in in some way or whatever it might that be, but but that trade off to the hundreds, the thousands of of people that you can improve their experience, you can give them more, you can make watching sports more enjoyable. I think it's it's a clear decision to be made. I don't think anyone can really gripe with with what you guys are doing and, and hopefully where you're going to get with with the product that you're offering yeah I, I agree so let's i mean we can we can wrap up we've been chatting for for an hour let's let's wrap up and I'll, I'll let you get back to the the working day um one thing i do just want to ask about is is what the the future has in store for for maybe a couple of things just the industry for for deck prism and then for you and, and your kind of personal ambitions so first and foremost the the industry have you got any any predictions that you think this is going to happen in the next five years that that people aren't anticipating or that no one's going to expect? What would what would that what would that be? I think a lot of I think the the the, the major brands are counting on being able to like press a button and improve their product. They've spent you know obviously a lot of good money. I mean they've been just crushing it. Uh, I think that when they get to the part of making the product that's necessary to keep their brand edge, it could be harder than they think. At the same time, I mean, I have the utmost respect for those guys that are putting, you know, they're, they're sure putting a lot into it. 
I I think there'll be more competition. I think it's I think delays are going to be gone. I think that in the U.S. this is going to open up very 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 fast, especially now the, with the economy that we have here now. I think states many states are going to be looking to fill those budget gaps, and I would I think in I think in five years we're going to have betting in you know thirty eight to forty two states. And then what about deck prison? What are the what are the ambitions for growth there? Where where do you want to be in in a year's time or or however long? two, three years' time, what's like the, the main goal for you? For me personally, I'd like for us to play our role in in the in in the product industry leader. In the in the place where here's the best example. So I don't know, I mean, this was a long time ago. This was uh the the uh the show The Sopranos. I, I mean, it's an American show. I guess everyone's seen it. <laughs> the Sopranos. I, I live in a little bit of a cultural bubble over here. But the uh, The Sopranos had an episode many, many years ago, and when it came, they, they talked about sports betting. When they talked about sports betting. They talked about Pinnacle. Why? Because Pinnacle was the brand leader when it came to to to, to fairness, to betting, to, to 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 being able to get a bet down and get treated fairly. The the America resonates with the pinnacle with a pinnacle type idea from from a no delay fairness standpoint, and I expect something like that to take off in the U.S. within five years, and I really want to play my role in that, you know, for a long time. And then more more personally, is there is there another book in the works? And you've talked a lot about family and stuff like that. I guess you've got your your commitments work wise and in the personal life, but is there anything you kind of want to do? on your own back and, and by yourself to go out there and do in, in the future? Industry-wise, industry I, I, I want to continue. The, the path that we're on now, is, as long as we can stay on it, is definitely my, uh, my, my, my passion. Writing better, better software. Uh, certainly, I, I love nothing more than, you know, trading some of, the, some, of the, some of the big games, especially in running. I hope to be able to, you know, to, 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 to do that for a long, long time. Uh, book, book wise, I know Ed always says we might write another book, but, uh, I, I would, uh, I would guess not. Honestly, I, 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 we were, we certainly wrote what I wanted written, what I wanted out there, what I think is good to be out there. And for me, that would, that would, I wouldn't be looking toward another book. Well, you mentioned about omitting the, the money management or staking methods. Maybe you and you and Ed can put your heads together and. And put the the Kelly debate to bed once and for all. Yeah, well, that's like those are the weeds that <laughs> weeds that and Ed knows more about exactly where those debates are than me. I, I mean, I kind of think it's all as simple as you know, Kelly requires you to know your edge. Good luck ever knowing your edge in sports and Kelly discussion. <laughs> <laughs> and as far as myself over anything I've ever bet on, I know how I determine my bet size. I determine my bet size by whatever the heck I feel like betting. <laughs> Oh, Matt, it, it's it, it's been great talking to you today. I've I've taken up enough of your time. You're, you're clearly very busy, but from myself and the listeners, I, I want to say thanks for coming on and, and helping us learn more about betting, the industry, and and sharing some great stories from your personal life as well. So, so thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Ben. I really appreciate it. And if anyone is interested out there about what we've talked about, and you you haven't read the the logic of sports betting, I I mean, I don't know if you've been on the moon for the last year or what have you, but but anyone who who hasn't read it needs to go out and buy it, and it's it's still available on uh, it's still available on Amazon, right, Matt? Yeah, absolutely. And you can keep up to date with Pinnacle on Twitter by following at Pinnacle, 
And if you want to learn more about what we discussed on the podcast and betting in general, then head to betting resources section on pinnacle.com. Thanks for listening and bye for now. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the latest episode of the Serious About Betting podcast. Remember to subscribe to the Pinnacle podcast on your preferred platform to keep up to date with all of our series. You can also review the podcast, give us feedback and suggest future guests that you want to be interviewed. 